This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ask Brothers Rant. Download all our content on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Enjoy. The term we are back gets thrown around a lot these days, but we are most certainly been we are most certainly back as I fuck up my intro that I worked on before, but this wouldn't be an ass bros if I didn't fuck it all up anyway, Toby, but we have been gone for about three games, about three weeks, life, things, work, businesses, family, holidays, shit happens. And because we have so much fucking content that we bring to you guys now with Manny doing Wednesday extremes, with Darren on board now doing Thursday night lives, with Scunny Mike doing Fridays, which he didn't do because he also had a, a family thing. But with all of these things going on right now, uh, it's just been difficult for us to bring you as much content as what we usually would. But we are most certainly now back. And uh, Toby, it's a lovely time to come back when you're winning football games and the team's charging forward. And, and we do... Uh, for those of you who are, who are new to listening to us, we do positive points. So positive three points, positive two points, positive one point for the three best players. For every Premier League game, we do negative one, negative two, and negative three. And Toby, it has been, been it has been getting harder and harder to actually do negative points. And I think that's an outcome of the team really overall playing well. And um, before we kick off into the Manpoo game, Toby, overarching feelings. Haven't spoken to you in three weeks. What's going on? The Man U game specifically, I, I walked away pretty um, heartened with the performance. I think we kind of got away with a with a big former rival. I was I was more nervous watching the game than I have been for quite a while because I felt I felt the rivalry re was back um, with them being towards the the pointy end of the table and us with a resurgence. Um, I think the last few weeks have been good, obviously. Um, and I also, you know, without tooting our own horn, you know, I think a couple of times we've been correct with our um, sort of 360 view of things, not to shit the bed and and knee jerk. Um, you know, the the one I remember, I think it was Everton away a number of weeks back, and there were, you know, it was either a draw or a loss, but we we showed some um, some really good starts of a recovery and then you know the other example was the Southampton game and not shitting the bed in the FA Cup and not shitting the bed and knee jerking with that although you did a little bit with uh with one of your posts about Arteta and the uh the lack of squad management so I just Mm. think it's been um I think it's been a good run it's been a positive run it's been very enjoyable and um you know I think seeing these kids come through uh, th- there's something really heartening and exciting about that, more so than if you get taken over by an ugly arc or a nation state, in my opinion. Uh, no doubt, Toby. Look, I, look, I did put up some stuff about Arteta. I've had an interesting time on Twitter over these last couple of weeks, actually, because um, I've been getting mauled up a bit on Twitter, actually, for some of the things I've been putting on. The fan base is a bit funny at the moment. It's... um. Not that the fan base has ever not been very like, as Scunny would say, like 50-50 or anything like that, but I almost feel like there's been a bit of an expanse left over from, you know, someone like Ozil leaving the club. And so people have had to, like, almost direct their anger towards other areas. And it seems to be happening on Twitter quite a lot amongst fans. Like, you put up a – someone puts up an opinion saying, this guy's played his ass off, and someone puts up an opinion saying he hasn't. And it's like, fuck you, you're wrong. You can't call players garbage. You can't do this. You can't do that. And the fan base is still like really riled up at the moment. At least I'm finding that it's really fucking riled up at the moment. So it's just been an interesting time. And I find it funny that everyone is getting quite riled up during a time when we're playing quite well. Um, And I think that that also comes from, Toby, the fact that for the vast majority we're playing well, they don't want to look at pieces of the puzzle that aren't doing well. And I think on Aspros, we do have a, a habit by nature because the way we do our, our positive players and our negative players, that we do look towards uh, players who aren't necessarily playing well, even in a winning team. Um, and I guess this is kind of where I, I 
wanted to kick this off, Toby. So this is a post-game review, and we are talking about Manpu. Uh, why not Sentiment in the room joining us? Hello, why not Sentiment? He's disappointed with the result against Manu. Why not? I wasn't disappointed. I think we had three key players out. Um, four, I, even. Yeah, I you know I I thought. Any time when you're in a club that's in a rebuild like we're in, like we've been in a rebuild, and when you've come from 15th, um, to take a nil all draw, to have hit the bar, uh, to have had Smithrow smash one of the keeper, to have had Pepe miss the bottom corner by a bee's dick, um, I, I think that those are the margins that you have to accept in football. It was a very to and fro game. I never thought they were super, super on top of us. Like I never thought they were. They were coming for us. I wasn't on the edge of my seat thinking, oh, Jesus, man, you were going to get us. And we defended really, really staunchly. So um, I was quite happy with the draw anyway. Um, but, Toby, there's a couple of things I want to start with and I wanted to talk to you about. And it's because we haven't spoken for a while. There's some some interesting stuff. But the first thing I wanted to talk to you about was the return of the press. Uh, so we've seen it particularly in the last two games, the Southampton game and the Man U game. Um, we've had a bit of an interesting press. We've been pressing really heavily through the front three. Uh, Jacques has been triggering the press through the midfield for us. And then the rest has almost been quite sitting off. And it's been really interesting to see us get on the front foot and start to press the ball because we were so devoid of that early in the season. Just wanted to know if you'd noticed it and what you thought the trigger points for that were, if it was just confidence from a team moving forward or if there's something bigger that's been worked on by the coaching staff. It's hard to say. It's it's it, it's really hard to say actually because as we know, pressing isn't about everyone just flying forward. It's when to go and when to hold. Um, you know who goes and who sticks and and so forth. And like you said, it's it's kind of a mixture between a press from the front and one of the midfield pivot, and then the defence can can hold back as well and sit fairly deep. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and I was going to say it's it's a com- confidence and an enjoyability factor. I think any team that's playing with a bit more um, gusto and confidence are, are going to press better. Um, someone like Lacazette looks like he's found a whole new lease of life and energy and enjoyment to his game and, you know, a couple of goals – and he always seemed to work hard, but now like his sprint speed has seemed to Im- improve and he's really hustling and bustling and being quite of a nuisance. So I think that's been a positive um, factor and, and, you know, winning, certainly winning that number nine spot back because there's no one else at the mm-hmm. moment you could see that could do that. I think Pepe was hugely surprising. All of a sudden he went from looking like a, a whippet to someone who looked like, you know, power, pace, pressing, creativity, work rate, all of the above that we haven't seen since the FA Cup final. So whether, you know, Arteta has tickled his balls in the right way or chinned him in the right way is probably a better um, analogy or example of that. Um, yeah, so, and, um, you know, you've got someone like Martinelli on the left who's naturally a presser because they're a bulldog. Um Dare I say it, no, Abamyang might even be helpful to an extent um, yep. with that. We- and an interesting point that you made with um, with Jacker actually leading some of the press and, and him and party seem to be uh, they're dividing their roles quite well. You know, they know when to go and who to, yep. to stay back and they look like yep. a, a very good combination. So well, if I've you, said if enough. You're gonna, if you're going to run through the entire team, Toby, in the podcast in the first eight minutes before we can get to any of the questions. Um, anyway, since you've mentioned half of the people that we're going to talk about tonight anyway in one small ramble, um, I thought I'd start with Xhaka, Toby, and I wrote a little comment down saying even the staunchest Xhaka disliker uh, of which, you know, I have been a well-known, well-documented Xhaka disliker. I've said that he's a restricted player. I've said that he needs certain pieces of the puzzle put around him uh, to not be exposed for the flaws that he had. And I've questioned his personality, his leadership, his mentality. I've questioned all of these things about Granit Xhaka. Toby, in the last month of football, last month, six weeks of football, there's an argument to say that Granit Xhaka has been in the top three or four if you take away a couple of the kids and a couple of the shiny new things, you actually dig into the, I guess, the the meta of the football team. 
I think there's a big argument to be made for the fact that Granite Shacker's return to form, return to giving a fuck, uh, return to bleeding for the badge, whatever you want to fucking call it, that this has actually been one of the most important structural pieces to allow the bits in front of him to go and do their job. Man of the match for a lot of people yesterday, close to man of the match. For me, I think I've only had an issue with him in one game in the last four or five weeks, Toby. So um, to all the people who do have their their Xhaka agendas, and we're definitely Xhaka agenderists, or I definitely am, you know, I, I, I would be very happy if he, he fucked off and we got money for him. Um, do you want to take us through just what your thoughts are on Xhaka, what it means for him for the future, if it's just adding zeros to a sale price, or if there is a, a genuine opportunity for Xhaka here to mend bridges once thought burnt to the mm. ground? Yeah, look... It's it's interesting. I mean, I'm um, I'm a sucker for effort and aggression and all of that. You know, I I loved bloody Ray Parler back in the day. He was one of my favourite players. So I'm easily fooled and easily um, you know, easily manipulated that way. But in saying that, he is very much a player that the players around him. Um, either improve or detract from his performance. And one thing we do know about him, he's got a big ego on him in terms of his leadership role, and he tries to show that on the pitch. And I think that's why, you know, someone, even even as an example like Mustafi, you know, they, they try and um, put out danger or put out fires because they think it's their role to do that. And unfortunately, when you don't have the physical attributes, the players around you, um, the ability to stay on your feet, the tackling skills, errors can be made. Um, And we're not excusing some of those, you know, like the Brighton one that effectively ended our top four run and, and so forth. But coming back to everything, he's a big guy. He's aggressive. He's a I was going to say decent stand-up defender, although, you know, his technique can be flawed at times when people are running by him. Um, But he improved his ball recycling, his quickness of thought. Um, He's always had a good passing and long passing game, in particular when he gets to navigate the left-hand channel. Um, And the one thing that you can't really argue with, there's some really tenacious last-ditch tackling happening at the moment, which is showing leadership and desire on the pitch, Um, you know. And then there's some – he seems to be given a little bit more creative licence as well to affect the forward play. That's that's what I was trying – that's what I've been trying to dig out of you a little bit, Toby, through this, I guess, this questioning. And the the idea – I got got there in the end. The idea or the concept that, yeah, we're a bit slow tonight, it's a bit late, um, but the idea that perhaps Granite Xhaka still isn't that good, but perhaps Granite Xhaka paired with someone like Thomas Party, who is a bit better recycling, who's offering him a, a much better, much more viable partner than what Ceballos did, a more technical partner, a, a better stand-up defender than what El Neni did. And we often talk about partnerships. We often talk about symbiosis. And I think that basically you've got Midfielders in front of Xhaka who were doing more, who are providing more, who are providing more running. You've got a partner for Xhaka who is providing him with more structure and maybe has a bit more of an ability to get up and down. Toby, for and me, more, I'm, I, more stress for the opposition as well. So part, because part there's, lost because the ball there's different lot, pieces. Yeah. But he's but there's, moving it forward at pace, you know, but and, and then that's opening for, the game up for Xhaka. Because there's this what I'm trying to get at, Toby, because We've said in the past, you know, if you wanted to shut Arsenal down, you just go put fuckloads of pressure on on Xhaka. Mm. You know, because El Elneny's not going to pass his way out of it. You didn't have Arsa next to him in El Elneny. Uh, Ceballos slowed down, played too much, wanted too many touches. And despite everyone saying that Ceballos has this wonderful part game, I implore you to look through all of Ceballos' games and show me a time when he passes front to back. It's very, very rare that he passes front to back. He much prefers those getting involved Short in the tri- possession. triangles yeah. with Bellerin on the side and stuff like that. And I just feel like by bringing in Thomas Party, by bringing in someone who's been spreading those balls to the wings, who can get it to get in front of someone, strong enough to run at someone, 
I just feel like there's two main things that have happened there. It's made it so defences have to watch both of our midfielders, mm-hmm. not one of our midfielders. And I also feel that because Party has an inclination, initially I thought that he would sit more forward. He would be more of a front-footed number eight. And he does do it a couple of games and have a few bursts. But he does like sitting in that deeper channel. He does like kind of constructing the play and moving the ball quickly. And for me, I feel like we may have been a little bit wrong about Xhaka Early on, we were saying, oh, he needs to be deep. He needs to be deep because he can't get turned. And he's actually a little bit further up now. And I'm wondering if what we're seeing is we've taken some of the defensive pressure off him and we're actually highlighting his best attribute a little bit, which is his left-sided channel passing where he's knocking the ball through at pace and he's picking up wingers who are running. It's interesting you brought up the Aubameyang thing. I've said a couple of times on this podcast, I think the team looks a whole lot better balanced when he's not in the team. Um, But that's an argument for another time and we've struggled for goals and I know people will jump all over me. People have been jumping all over me about my fucking Twitter things for weeks now. Um, Toby, another player that you mentioned and while we're talking about me getting destroyed on Twitter, um, people gave uh, Pepe man of the match uh, in our last game, in the game against Southampton and I was adamant that I thought he was one of the worst players on the pitch. Ryan had him as one of the worst players on the pitch. I think you had him as one of the worst players on the pitch. Scunny and and Manny both had him as one of the worst players on the pitch, but he scored a goal. And for our fan base, what they saw was a guy who ran around a whole lot more, which ticked their box that he ran around a whole lot more. And then they saw a guy who scored a goal, which ticked their box for someone who has contributed. And what we saw was a guy who ran down a lot of blind channels, showed really low football IQ, lost the ball 10 times. So basically, and I put up... And went walkies and lost his man completely and for lost the one goal that we conceded. Completely for the goal. And I got mauled on Twitter, Toby. One of the most furious Twitter maulings I've had in a long time because I put this thing up saying, I don't understand how you've all got him for man of the match. I thought that he was awful. In saying that, in this game, Toby, I just about had Pepe for man of the match. I thought it was a mature performance. I thought that it was a better performance, even though he didn't get the goal than it was in last week. And call me crazy, but scoring goals doesn't always define you as a fantastic game for me. You can have a fucking awful game, be one of the worst players on the pitch and take your opportunity. I think the way people score players, the way people... Well, you, you, you do love Theo Walcott still. I love Theo. Mate, why every fucking podcast? No, no, no. I, I, it's just, no. And then it's, I get, and then I get you, you can't tell me you didn't love Theo, Toby. You can't. You love Theo. I know you did. I still do. It's just, it's low-hanging fruit. It's low-hanging fruit. Fuck I you, couldn't help piece, myself. You're a piece of I shit. I couldn't help but myself. Toby, the, point, the point of what I was saying was, you know, after getting this furious mauling on Twitter last week for me saying I didn't think that Pepe was particularly good. In this game, I think Pepe was if not man of the match, I think in the top two players on the pitch, much more intelligent, used the ball very, very intelligently, didn't get dispossessed, pressed his nuts off, made clearances in his own box. Toby, is it enough now? I, I guess I guess what I'm getting at with this is, if you're Mikel Arteta and you've managed to eke now a performance that was very promising, that he didn't execute particularly well, in my opinion, against Southampton, then you play him again, most likely by accident. Most likely he wouldn't have started if Saka had been starting. I'm assuming you would have had Martinelli and Saka. That was what I was pushing for. But the way football works, Toby, you take your opportunities when they come. He then goes and puts in this fantastic performance, which I think that Arteta would have seriously jacked him off for. Like in the change room afterwards, he would have gone and put him put his finger in his face and said, that's how you play and that's how you work. Toby, we've seen Pepe do this in FA Cup finals. We've seen Pepe do this in spits and starts. I mean, is it time to get the hand job brigade out for Pepe and pick him again next week? Or do you continue to manage him? I mean, I didn't think Martinelli was particularly good. I thought he looked underdone, was poor on the ball, despite some very, very incredibly brave, very Martinelli-esque clearances. Um, But what do you do with Pepe now? And do do you agree with me that that was uh, possibly his his most intelligent performance for Arsenal? I wouldn't be doing the hand jobs. I'd be doing the donkey slap because I genuinely think that he was chinned in a sense or slapped with a donkey dick. Potentially after the Southampton game, and I, and I think it's it's quite an interesting theory 
um, a hypothesis that uh, he would have been left out of this game. Because I think you're right, you know, potentially Martinelli comes back in. Um, Saka was only a, a, a very late scratching. So potentially he could have been chinned for going to sleep you know, and, and losing his man in the Southampton game, losing the ball and running down blind alleys and, and opening us up to transitions. I realise certain players get more creative licence, and he probably did, but he did open us up to, to many counters in that game. And then, um, you know, his lack of pressing and work rate, which is so paramount for those wide forwards. Especially in, so, an, Arteta, especially in an Arteta team. Like, he... he, he of course. He um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not when you vilify something, reveres. Reve- he reveres that so much in his players that mm. work that press. Mm. Mm. So and and it's so important as well for taking some of the pressure off the midfield and the, and the fullbacks and and everything. You know, it really starts. It really starts the game for us and opens up us winning back the ball and and getting the ball higher up the pitch. So. I got a feeling maybe he wasn't starting and something happened. It's either he he wasn't thinking and overthinking and he got his opportunity at the 11th hour, which can always be great. You know, uh, anyone who's played sport and, you know, can do their own head in. Often when you just get thrown into it is where your natural ability takes over. Um, And then obviously maybe a bit of a backlash from the Southampton game. So, look, I was just... Hugely. Can you just can you just for the listeners just for a second, Toby, just so I can get some support by my from my brothers and us, just mm-hmm. back me up on the fact that it was a very Jovino-y performance for Southampton. I think Arteta would have been unhappy with the amount of times that he lost the ball and we got heavily transitioned on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, my biggest beef that game was the marking. That was that was my biggest beef, and then. As a secondary to that, it was the amount of times he lost the ball and opened us up to to transition. So, uh, you know, I, I back you on it. You know, we don't – it's not when we negative a player or we point out the bad parts of their performance doesn't mean that we don't like the player. We're mm. just analysing – the game or it's not that we don't like the player we want the best for that player but often the ones you love you get frustrated the most in fact Toby, if you go back through ask bros you will have countless times me across the season talking about playing him playing him into form making sure you're using him Uh, me Mm -hmm. saying that i think he's our best ball striker i actually think he's our most threatening goal scorer when he's on. It's just interesting. I think Manny's going to do a podcast. I think Wednesday night, UK time, he's going to do a bit of a podcast on this about how people are kind of, um, how people are kind of starting to go at each other a bit more. Scunny in the house. Nice to see you, Scun. Um, anyway, thought it was interesting, Toby. Thought it was a really good performance from Pepe. I thought it was interesting that my favorite Pepe performance, he doesn't score a goal. In fact, he misses mm. some opportunities. But it was the way he took those goals, the areas he popped up in, the way he pressed, the way he used the ball, the way he riffed with people. He had a bit more and, of a free life. And can, can, I just well. say, can I just say the power? He looked like a bigger body, you know, and I don't think he's put, put on any extra size. But something happened in that performance and he wasn't he wasn't tiring either you know he really did put in a big shift and and show his uh, fitness and more than anything his fire and his desire and i think as fans that's what we want you can forgive a couple of you know outside of the post curly finishes that didn't quite go in because they were fractional and then you look at the performance and you think well that's that's wonderful if he can if he can put a marker on that performance and then start carrying that out at least one in every two games, then we've got a special player on our hands. And then and then the squad starts looking better as well. But this is what I've always said about Pepe, Toby. Until you see consistency from him over an extended period of time, Saka-level consistency, ESR when he's coming has been consistent, Martinelli when he has been fit has been consistent, Lacazette has had periods of consistency for us, Aubameyang has had periods of consistency for us. Pepe has never in his now coming up to, what is it, 18 months with Arsenal, he's never shown us any consistency. I think consistency. longer. 
I think is it longer. longer? Thought anyway, it season, yeah. Thought it was a season and a half. Thought he had last know. season, and then he. We've had, had that many fucking managers. I I don't know. So moving didn't on, come, Toby. Didn't he come? Hey, anyway, all right. Moving on. Moving on. Well, no, he's, it's definitely eighteen months because he came in under Emery. Well, he Emery was under he, Pepe's Pepe Emery's first season, wasn't it? Emery lasted no. a year and a half. No. Yeah, no, you're wrong. Anyway, moving on. Oh, oh, moving fine. on. No point fighting over the a bone, Toby. I'm sure it's 18 months. Someone in the comments is it more than 18 months. Smash it in there. And um, Toby, on to my next player in focus. So I thought it was really interesting this game. A lot of the time on the Ars Bros, I think we spend quite a lot of time talking to each other about football. We'll often have similar people in similar positions in our rankings, but in all different spots. Uh, mm. So some of us had Louise for man of the match. Uh, some of us had Shaka for man of the match. I was the only person who had Rob Holding for man of the match. Um, and I put up a tweet saying, this guy has been proving his detractors wrong every single week of this Premier League season. All the people who were begging for Saliba, begging for a you know a, an 18, 19-year-old to come in and, and start against Rob Holding because he wasn't shiny and he wasn't expensive. And he seemed to be a bit of a boring option, an unathletic option. His slightly thinning hairline. Yeah, yeah. Is is his ever working on becoming the next Steve Bold? Because he will surely, (laughs) he will surely, he will surely shortly be bald. Um, But Toby, I I said on Thursday night live with Darren, I think it was four or five weeks ago. I said Rob Holding will play the next England international game. He's the form centre back in the Premier League. and I don't think that's an outlandish comment. So I'm, I'm interested. I'd say John Stones maybe, but John Stones plays on the left, so he could be a good partner. Uh, I think John Stones plays on the left anyway. Um, yeah. yeah, look, I, I agree with you. I think um, in saying that, Brother Money sees football like me a lot of the time, even though we fight like cats and dogs sometimes. I think his ratings were exactly the same as mine. This week, which was um, which was interesting, but um, Rob Holding, um, he's a bit of a, a silent assassin, isn't he? He's he's the quiet, understated, um, you know, the almost like a hipster's choice because it's less obvious, you know. And um, he's pretty much been the the one consistent for for this year. Um, and he was very close to to going out on loan to Newcastle. I think so. Look, no, no, every from, time from his own mouth, Toby, he said the Newcastle deal was mm. pretty much done. Mm. So every time holding, ever since he was signed, whenever he's had a run in the team, has actually kept his position and put in some amazing form. The only problem is he's had two injuries. You know, we all remember the FA Cup final next to Per in a back three that we never thought we were going to win. Uh, I think he got injured. I think he came back into the team from injury that time and he hadn't played at all from memory. And then there was obviously the ACL, which he did against Man U and was out for for a year. So every time he's done it, he's done it well. And I think we're starting to have a lot more faith in this player. You know, the... You know, in a sense, the old school centre back, like nothing is passing him. You know, his clearance, his headed clearances are phenomenal. His game reading is good. His lack of pace doesn't seem to get shown up. Uh, he loves a fight. He loves to give shit to all of the divers and the pansy, which I which I really enjoyed. There's a bit of old school mongrel about him. um, He also likes a big game, Toby, and this is something I've noticed. You know, Arsenal-Liverpool, he stands up to Sadio Mane. You know, against Man U, he stands up and that come fucking headed everything out. And I said to you in a message, Toby, Mm -hmm. it has been so long since we had an aerial presence at centre-back. When I think of all the fucking centre-backs that we've signed over the last decade, possibly more, I mean, even mm. I was speaking to someone the other day about Colo Torre, and they were like, even Colo Torre wasn't a, a mass dominant header of the ball because he was he was quite small. He was like five was, foot ten or so. Colo was Torre, con- what? And and he was a converted midfielder. Yeah, you know. So I'm going back to like Sol Campbell. The last time I think we had a big dominant 
centre-back, you know, big, tall, dominant centre-back. I just think mm. he's a he's an unpopular choice. There have been so many people over the course of this season who have religiously said, oh, we need a new right centre-back, we need a new right centre-back. Mate, I'm, I'm, thinking for, I'm thinking further up the pitch, I'm thinking left-back cover, I'm thinking I'd get rid of Bayerin long before I, I'd get rid of Holding. I just think he's an unpopular choice. He's a really good player. I would argue this, Toby. I think that Rob Holding has been our player of the season so far. I'd be really interested to actually tally up our Ask Bros positive points because he's picked up quite a lot of – he's been one of those, like you said, silent assassins, picked up a lot of plus ones. Not always man of the match, but always just getting in there is very, very solid and and very, very good. Mm. Um. Uh, anything more to say on the balding assassin, yeah. Toby? Well, look, I mean, likening holding to other players, what's happening is internal solutions that are preventing our need for... Morning, Astro. Smoke alarm was beeping. Toby, you can talk without reading the comments, champion. You fucking distract me. So anyway, well, back to get it. used to back, it. We've only been doing this for it. two years, three years. Shut the fuck up and let me finish. So internal solutions rather than external purchases. And I think certain players are starting to put their hands up. And all of a sudden, our transfer business can move to other areas. So I wouldn't say we desperately need to replace holding anymore. I wonder, even though nobody seems to like Callum Chambers, I wonder, because he's an excellent ball player on the right-hand side, I wonder if he could be the subordinate to holding as the backup or you or he goes out and you get another backup to holding potentially, okay? You've got your Jackers who have played their way into, you're probably not going to sell him over letting Ceballos go, letting El Nenny go because he doesn't do anything except, you know, hold possession, you know? So you're starting to get an emergence of, of other options. So we might be able to, we might be able to replace Lacazette soon. And we're not saying that he's not playing well, but mm. we're saying that he hasn't proved himself over X amount of years, so he's not going to do it now. And that's why yep. no contract. So anyway, that just, you know, I know we were talking about Rob Holding, but it's just interesting that people that are, that are less popular, you know, because they're less headline orientating, have actually really quietly come up and been one of our you know, top three players for the season. Well, it's like people talk about Gabriel really heavily. And uh, again, on Thursday Night Live with Darren, Darren and I have spoken a few times about how in the weeks leading up to Gabriel getting that red card, Darren and I had been saying for a couple of weeks, this boy looks like he's going to pick up some cards. This boy looks like he's going to give away some penalties and he's going to get sent off. He's a bit square. He's a bit slow on the turn. And he's very athletic, a very good ball player, a big physical specimen who's relying on that, and you you saw him come into the Premier League and flourish. Coming back from the injury, he's looked very slow, very square, hasn't hit the ground running again. And it's just interesting that, you know, the mentality of the Arsenal fans, again, is the shiny new thing, is the thing we want to talk about, and the dusty old bald cunt that we picked up from Bolton for like a million pounds, two, two million, million pounds. Well, what is, what current, is currently, in my opinion, Toby, one of the... Like, like, let's not let's not fucking cook the entire chook here. You know what I'm saying? He's the the best defender. I think he's the form defender in the Premier League. I'm not going to say he's the best defender in the Premier League, but I'd say this guy is currently on form in the top six defenders in the Premier League. But no one wants to talk about him. No one wants to give him the plaudits. He makes like 13 headed clearances, you know, per game. He's got a higher passing percentage than Gabriel. Um, he's got more defences clearances than Gabriel. He's got more tackles than Gabriel. And this isn't me saying I don't like Gabriel, by the way. I really like Gabriel. I'm so excited that we've got a big, huge athletic specimen. But I really like the idea of pairing a big athletic specimen with a bit more of an old-fashioned stalwart sit, wait, disrupt, clear. You know, And I even think Rob Holding's passing is a little bit underrated because the longer he's gone on this season, Toby, the better his pass has been. He's not an expansive passer. He's not a Mustafi. You know, he's, he's not a Gabriel with a left boot. I'd even say Mari is a, a better passer than him. Chambers is a better passer than him. But he's not going to let you down in a press. He finds a channel, he finds a pass, and he moves it on. 
Yeah, and, and uh, look, I think um, I think when Rob Holding first came on the scene, I think he was a decent distributor, and I think that's why he was um, he was signed in the first place. I just think his maybe his form dipped in in that aspect of the game of his game for for a while. It's but definitely improving. You know, he's, he's finding he's finding confidence, and he's doing well. And you know, it's not bloody rocket surgery that you get a run in a team and you improve and more aspects of your game start improving, you know, things, life isn't black and white as much as, um, you know, people and fans and, and social media people think it is. You don't, you don't decide on someone on one performance or one day and they're in or they're out, you know, it just, yep. it just doesn't work like that. And I was ecstatic about his contract extension. Toby is, he had three years left on his contract. He's now got five years on his contract. He's on 90 K a week. You know, that is a really – that is a smart piece a business from Arsenal. Should we bring someone in? Should Saliba go away and fucking brain it and come back and displace Rob Holding because he is the better centre-back or he's the more expansive centre-back? Happens, happens. Fine. Fine. Yeah. It happens. At least you got Rob Holding on reasonable wages on a long contract and you can then on-sell him. That's yeah. called smart. That's called smart business. So That's people right. cracking it like more stupid fucking business from Arsenal, I say to you people – Eat your fucking words, motherfuckers. Eat your words. True. And 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 look, one thing in terms of leadership, like I don't know him in the dressing room, but he yells on the pitch, he organises, he, he leads by example. I'd rather have someone like that as a leader who is quiet, who's not in the media, who sets the example on the pitch and, and potentially sets the culture off of it more than a flashy, happy striker who just needs to focus on goals as their we've main had enough, we've had enough yeah. all action defenders over the years toby we've had enough for marlins mustafis kashelny in his early years he got better he got better as he went on um, uh, mistakes you know, mistakes mistakes with all do, do you remember kashelny when we fucked up um against atleti so we absolutely fucking killed them in the first yeah. leg, and he kicked and no the ball one, in his own face. And no one will ever give, no one will ever forgive him for the the Birmingham League Cup final fuck up with Vojtech, you mm. know. But let, let's not go into Koscielny because he is Manny's favorite player <laughs> of all time, and in yeah. fact, fav, favorite French player of all time. Yeah, uh, so yeah, and Manny and Manny loves Wenger as well, doesn't he? Loves him, fucking yeah, and Özil. Favorite favorite people who ever played for Arsenal for Manny Özil, uh, Wenger. Uh, he loves Theo Walcott. Loves him. Thinks he's the best and player Kishelny. that ever played the game. Yeah. And Kashelny. Yeah. Uh, sucker, sucker, blur, Manny. Sucker, lay blur. Uh, Toby. Not that I think this really needs to be touched on, but I thought it would be remiss if we didn't mention it. The form of Burnt Leno. Um, when you talk about silencing critics, we talk about Rob Holding silencing critics. Um, I think that Burnt Leno has done probably the single greatest job in history of keeping his shit together, rising above it all, and letting his performances do their talking on the pitch. Another fantastic save from him, another fantastic performance from him. Toby, I put up a tweet the other day saying, this guy hasn't even hit his peak. Mm. You're right. And and the the thing is, I don't actually ever remember him being bad or having a dip in form ever. So I think, you know, let me just say a couple of things. He wasn't great coming out to crosses, you know, and and managing his own box. And maybe his distribution wasn't quite as good as we thought it was at the start. But he's never had a bad run of form. He's never really been the reason, you know, all keepers fuck up. That's just that's just what happens. Um that's cost us anything. I think the entire narrative with Burnt Leno is media driven and Martinelli driven. Mm. Sorry, Martinez driven. Martinez. I, don't he, I, I don't think he ever deserved any of the criticism or even the discussion. Toby, he, he, was our, he was our player of the season before he was injured. Last I know. Year. The only fucking thing that he did was get injured and a player came in and did a good job for 10 games. Yep. 
who we and made was like a, tw- and was good. a 20 and I million. Mar- I like so Martinez. Yeah, yeah. No, Martinez. no. I, do you know what, Toby? I wasn't even bringing up the chicken sandwich himself, Martinez, right? I wasn't even bringing him up. I, I was more looking at, well, I was bringing him up because I was talking about Burnt Leno quieting his critics, but it was more about Burnt Leno. And it was more about, I don't think there's any Martinez for, uh, there's any Martinez fucking fans out there left still banging on that he should still be our number one or not getting behind Leno. And I'm sure if Leno parries one out into the middle like he does when people rocket one at him from two yards in front of him and everyone's like, oh, you know, Martinez would have would have fucking out. knocked that over the Anyway, top. We, so, we're lucky to have him. He's an excellent shot stopper. And My point of this was, Toby, sorry, I forgot what my point was. My point was that he hasn't hit his peak yet. We, we haven't even got the best burnt no. Leno yet because we know with keepers, they peak probably 27, 28, 29. You know, that's their real peak when they read uh, the game really even, well. Even post, even post 30 for keepers. So that's fine. <laughs> so, uh, Den from, so this is Top Bins Football. So, guys, go and give a follow to Top Bins Football. Uh, that's Den, the ruthless gooner. Um, he's got a new channel, and they talk about all things football. So he gets different people on. I watched one of his things the other day. It was quite good. Um, so get on. Give him a sub. He's a good bloke. He's a Parramatta fan. Don't hold it against him. Um, Toby, I want to talk about a few things. We're at 40 minutes. We always try and do this in less than an hour. We're both tired. I'm half drunk. You've got a cup of tea in front of you. Very well done, mate. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for the cup of tea and not Day doing one. your, usual, not doing your usual gambit, which is to drink like seven beers on and this podcast. Yeah. yeah, get sloppy. But I wanted to talk to you, Toby, about the remaining outs, right? I'm not worried about the ins. I can't be asked having a conversation about Utegaard. We will see what happens mm. with him over, over a period of time. We did the Urzel debate. I don't want to fucking touch on the Urzel debate. Socrates is gone. Kebab meathead is gone. All good things were clearing it out. It would have been lovely to get some money for some of these motherfuckers, so I'm not going to rejoice in in terminated contracts. I think it's the worst result, the best result from the pile of worst results that could possibly happen. We've, we've, we've only licked the top of the shit rather than having to eat the entire oh, turd. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk to you about a couple of things just quickly towards the end of this podcast about the last things that might happen, some of the loan deals might happen, what you think, what you'd like to see. So my far- first one is, Toby, I've been really surprised at how many people have said, let Mustafi go to Liverpool. I've been really, really surprised because I don't believe in selling to rivals. And if you look at the Premier League and the congestion of the Premier League right now, we're not that far off Liverpool. I got kind of mauled on Twitter again, Toby, because I put up a comment saying, I bet you Mustafi plays really well at Liverpool. He's a front-to-back passer. He'll have a more structured midfield in front of him. He, sorry, a back-to-front passer. He'll have a more structured midfield in front of I him. Think, I think I, he'll do well also. I wouldn't. But So you're with me. You, but I wouldn't sell to Liverpool. Like, yeah, I, a, I mean... M- m- <laughs> that I was a Mustafi fan, but I saw the qualities in him for the reason that he was purchased in the first place. The problem for us is that there's so much negativity and errors under the bridge that we can't return from that. I don't I don't care if he goes to Liverpool and we get a little bit of money from him. I don't care, but I think he'll do a good job there and and do better than But that's why, but that's why I care Toby because I think Mustafi uh, will go to Liverpool and do a good job. Yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. I care. But then they'll but then, but then they'll be stuck with him because they would have had to buy him. But I don't want to sell, but I don't want to sell to rivals. And we're not going to get with six months left on his contract, Toby. What are Liverpool going to give? I tell you how I do if the it's something. The, it's good business for us. Fine, that's I'll tell you how. I'll tell you how. Well, I will tell we're you how I do Liverpool. Liverpool are far better than us, so I'd say sell him, Toby. They're currently playing. They're currently playing Jordan Henderson at centre back. They've scored two fucking goals in twenty twenty one. So I'm not jumping up and down saying they're they not a great team. They won their last games and played well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the point, Toby. If I'm saying if you look at the fucking table, you look at how congested it is and you look at the up and downness of the league at the moment, mm-hmm. you don't fucking strengthen a rival, right? You don't strengthen. By giving them Mustafi or by selling them Mustafi on the cheap, you strengthen him. What's I don't the, think I'd they are not a great take. rival. I think they're so much better than us. No, you're a fucking idiot. You're not listening to the thing I'm saying. Hey, if you look idiot. at the fucking uh. table, 
if you look at the table, they are currently a direct rival. Look at the table. Look at the points. Look at the games fucking played. It's a direct rival. I don't like it. That's my opinion. It's got nothing to do with Mustafia. Quite happily, I, I will wave him goodbye, and I won't have any like horrible Urzel dislike towards him. But you don't fucking sell to rivals, especially if they're a decent player that's going to suit their system and is going to improve them. You let them play fucking Jordan Henderson for the rest of the fucking year. I don't think it'll happen anyway. I think we'll end up terminating his contract, Toby. On to a couple of sadder so ones. go to Liverpool anyway on a free, and we've spent the money paying I think, him out. I think what will end up happening is Liverpool will have to find someone regardless. We will end up holding on to Mustafi until the end of the year, at which time his contract will run out. So I'm yeah, not that interested. Okay. I'm not that interested in getting two million pounds for Mustafi and giving Liverpool a leg up. We're terminating contracts left, right, and centre. I'd just fucking hold him or say to him, "You're not going to arrival. So if you want to play football, go play football somewhere yeah. else." You can't. Okay. All right. Well, for the right price, I'd sell him to Liverpool. And like I said, I don't think they're a direct rival. They're far better than we are. So well, you're an idiot because anyway. they are a direct rival because they are on the table and we're over the halfway point of the season. So fuck you. Um. Mm. On to some sadder ones, Toby. And I'm going to put them in kind of what I think is like least sad to most sad, or okay. if they even happen, and, and whether or not you think they'll happen. Um, yeah. But there's three there's three Hale End boys with their heads on the chopping block at the moment, either for loan deals or for yep. um, ultimately sales deals. Um, yep. So starting with Reese Nelson. So Reese Nelson has had interest from West Ham. Reese Nelson has had interest from... Crystal Palace, uh, there's been multiple reports saying there are both loan deals available or permanent sale deals available. I think I was reading the other day that Crystal Palace didn't want to pay more than $15 million for him, so that was going to get taken off the table anyway. Toby, just quickly, Reese Nelson, what's his value? Do you loan him out? Is it worth investing another year in him? He's on a relatively long contract. I think he's on about £30,000 a week, so not huge wages for us. What are your thoughts? I would I would keep him because I you know I'm um, a real fan of these um, youth prospects and the ones that have come through the Hayland Academy. Fifteen mil though, you'd have to consider it for a guy that you know isn't even making the bench at the moment. But um, loan would be my preference. Loan was I still I still think there's something there. Uh, look, Reese Nelson, the reason why I put Reese Nelson first is Reese Nelson is the one who I, it, weirdly, I probably had the highest hopes for him a year and a half ago. He was the one who I thought was going to make it at this level. And I've got a funny feeling that he might be one of these guys who comes unstuck with physicality, not with technicality. I think you see some guys go over to Germany where it's 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 not as dynamic. They're not as big. They're not getting battered as much and go over there and do really quite well. Um, I'd even be interested to see how Jordan Sancho would do in the Premier League because I think that that would be a huge step up as well. I mean, we've seen big players, you know, Timo Werners and guys like that come here and not do particularly well. Um, but as time has gone on, I think I have looked at Reese Nelson and thought, ultimately, I don't ever, I don't currently see you breaking into the team as a first-team player. I think you'd be a viable option off the bench. And as I've always said, you know, Hale End or Academy Boys, they have two job roles, Toby. They come in, they get 30 to 50 games for you under their belt, and they either turn into something special or you end up getting with England English tax, you know, 20 million pounds for them, and they feed money into the economy for you to go and put that money towards an Erdegaard if at the end of the season that's possible and and you want to sign him. Um, yeah. On to the next one, Toby, which makes me a little bit sadder because this is a guy who in preseason I was saying this was his year. I had him picked for being the guy to break into the team. Over six foot tall, dynamic, dominant, played lots of games last season for us, has fallen off a fucking precipice. And now Newcastle are very interest in, interested in Joe Willock on a permanent. Mm. I really like Joe Willock. I like all of our kids. I would be less sad about Joe Willock than Reese Nelson. In, really? Did, for me, yes, because I think Joe Willock has had much more of an opportunity than Reese Nelson has. He's had a better injury run. Um, he's certainly got a shitload of games under Emery, and he's had a fair 
a fair amount under Arteta too. Um, I just say, technically, I think Willock lacks a little bit more in his all-round game. We still don't know what he is. He's not attacking enough to be a number 10. He's not technically secure enough to be a number eight. Um, Like I said, I really like him, but out of the three, and I think I know who you're going to say next, out of the three, he would probably be the one I'd let go the most out of those three. Mm. Willock, for me, I would love to see get a lone moon, a lone move off to Germany because I don't think that he lacks the physicality. I think Willock's an eight. I think that he's more of a Thomas party in in the sense that he's a bigger body. He recovers the ball really well. He shoots from outside the box. His inconsistency and his uh, his lack of consistency around his football IQ, like when he chooses to run, when he chooses to pass, when he chooses to shoot. That seems to be the thing that's missing because he plays good passes. He scored a fucking screamer against Liverpool in the cup and that stupid game was like 5-4 or 5-all or whatever it was. We played against them last year. Like He's hit some fucking crackers. You've seen him at um, Europa League level look really, really good as well. Granted, you've seen Reese Nelson look really good at those levels as well. But yeah, for me, if, I was, if it was between sell one, loan one, I would sell Nelson... Loan Willick, you're saying that you would loan Nelson, sell Willick. And I mean, that's interesting because we're both looking at different things. I also look at what the club's going to need over the years coming, and I look at how well we're stocked with Saka, Martinelli, ESR, Pepe, and those age demographics. And I do wonder how Nelson would uh, kind of uh, dispossess them of their position in the team. Whereas if I look in the midfield, I'm like, okay, well, with Ceballos going back on loan, El Nenny being very much a squad player party jacker I, I would see that pathway into the team if willock went on a loan and improved and played really well that that pathway into eight might be a little mm. bit easier for him I'll, but that's i'll that's just, just give you one part of i'll just brain. give you one pathway i think lacazette's done i think abamyang will be gone within the next two years and i think martinelli will end up playing in the nine so i think there's a pathway there but anyway keep going why not? Sandman agrees with me. Willock loaned to Germany needs to work on his technical skill as a midfielder. Why not? Sandman, bro, we should we should hook up. We should hook up. <laughs> not like a not like a sexual way. I mean, I mean, we could we could run a train on someone. I don't know how you feel about that, but we could do it. But hit me up, bro. Hit me up. Um, <laughs> terrible way to finish a fucking podcast. Um, Toby. <clears throat> On to my, my final player and the player that hurts my Don't heart. Don't say it. Don't say the, it. The player that hurts my heart the most. Then, I again, you know, I put up a tweet six weeks ago, I think now. I said, Mikel Arteti does not fancy Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I expect him to be out of the club in January. He hasn't gone yet. We're hearing that Leicester want a permanent move for him. Southampton are interested in a permanent move for him. The West Bromwich Albion loan deal is dead. Wolves are possibly tabling a move right now. Toby, there is no fucking way I let him go to Leicester. No fucking way that happens. Uh, It breaks my heart, Toby, but he definitely looks like he's on the way out the door. Of all of the boys I've seen come through the Hale End Academy, including Saka, including ESR, there was a time when I thought that Ainsley Maitland-Niles would become the answer for us to you know, a midfield destroyer, a lung-busting number eight. And we've never seen it and it's never happened. And Toby, to an extent, I've even now got to come to the point where I'm like, if you've got to sell him, sell him. But don't fucking sell him to Leicester to come back and sting us in the next couple of years. Let him go to Southampton or Wolves. Yeah. I, this one breaks my heart because... Um, right on, Scotty. There's there's something unless it's Mustafi Scunny. Um, <laughs> the this one breaks my heart because there's something about Mainsley, and my five year old calls him Mainsley. By the way, now which is which is even better. Um, power, pace, like the 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 speed, the shoulder width, the sublime skill where he looks like. Football is just something that he does 
on the side and he you know he does it a bit and it's a bit of fun mm. he he reminds me of Diaby a lot um you know they are just for, just for me the only thing with Arteta is that he thinks that perhaps he doesn't concentrate enough which I agree maybe he smokes a bit too much weed he looks like you know he might do that that's a I joke would say I, I, would I understand say the professional would footballers wouldn't do that I would say it's you know, training with Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Toby. I would say he, he, he probably doesn't put in the effort and training that Arteta wants to see. But it must be between the ears because he always wanted to be something else than the position that was offered to him. He could have had a brilliant career as a right-back. I actually think he could have pushed Bellerin all the way and usurped him if, if he had the minerals to do it. But I think that he thinks that he's better than that and that he isn't a defender. So, you know, his last opportunity at left back, which I don't think is really fair on him because his best his best games from the left was from left wing back and not as a left back. So he's playing on the wrong side and out of position. Look, this breaks my heart. I actually hope it's not true. I hope that somehow he can still remain a fringe player, play in big games still, be a good backup and just put his head down. Arteta is obviously trying to say, this is make or break time and you really need to pull your fucking finger out. Um, you know, Leicester would, would be interesting that they're interested in him because maybe that's saying that we've got it wrong if they're trying to purchase him. Um if he were to go somewhere, Southampton, I would much prefer than anyone else because, like you said, it, it's not a it's not a rival. But I almost don't want to think about it. I fucking love Mainsley. I don't want it to happen. Yeah, and so and so do I, Toby. But I think the writing's on the wall at the moment. You've looked at our, you've looked at Arteta's selections over the last few weeks. You know, he gave him that one run at left back. He looked really disinterested. Look, like I know people like, oh, he's not a left back. He, he, you know, he's only ever played off the left as an auxiliary midfielder in a, you know, on the, on the left of essentially a back five coming inside. But for me, that's all about application. I looked at that and I thought maybe that was the, maybe that was the defining moment. You know, maybe Arteta said to him, you know, go out and brain it. This is your last chance to prove to me what you've got. I mean, I, I, I've said this so many times, Toby. It can't be about his execution. He owns two or three man of the match performances for Arsenal in really big games. So he obviously likes the big game. He can get himself up for the big game. Uh, he's a really good stand-up defender. I actually think he played better for Arsenal when we were playing in a passive system as a defender because he's a better passive defender. But I can't not look at that game he played in the Europa League where he played in midfield and him and ESR just fucking dominated. And, and just, that's what breaks my heart. That, and that's where I got the, the Diaby comparison, you know? So anyway, anyway, I don't want to talk about it. It hurts my heart. Um, I, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it guys. We've done about an hour. Um, I just wanted to laugh at people who thought Arsenal were going to get relegated. Cause I said that we will never get relegated. The squad was too big. The squad was too strong. So, I want to laugh at those people. I want to laugh at the Martinez lovers. I want to laugh at the holding haters. Um, shout out shout out to Russ Morgan who's dropped in. We've got Den the Roosless Gooner. We've got Why Not Senderman who's happy to run a train with me. So we'll hook that up. Why not? Um, we've got Scunny in the room. Uh, who else we had? Don't Waste the Tweet. Regular always in. Don't Waste the Treat has his... Uh, don't waste the tweet. Has his own has his own. I'll get my fucking words out in a second. His own YouTube channel at the moment. He's doing a uh, like five players in focus after every game. So uh, go check go check him out. He's got some good shit to say. Um, and we will catch you after the next game. Darren's running Thursdays. I've got a baby coming, so I'm going to be doing less podcasting. Um, so I think Darren's going to be trying to get some different guests on and stuff. Like that. I'm going to try to jump on with him if I can. Manny's doing a podcast, I think, on Wednesday. Uh, I think his topic is he's having a bit of a dig at fans for fucking yelling at each other every time anyone thinks that a player is good and a player is bad. Um, Scunny will be back with the Friday Arse, and Toby and I will be back with a, another Arse Bros OG podcast as soon as we can 
get it happening. So, Toby, as always, thank you for joining me. Um, you're much more fun when you're drunk. So next week, maybe have a beer instead of a cup of tea. <laughs> oh, well, that, that, that fucks my Feb part, then, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, mate, you, you do your healthy thing. You drank enough piss to sink a fucking ship in, a, in December and in January. And in November, you got to accept we got locked down for seven months. So all we did was smash piss, mate. It's it's getting up to twelve months. It was time to take a look. Twelve at months of everyday drinking. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. seven. I'm seven kilos heavier, and I think I'm growing tits. And now I have nipple chaff from the first fucking busy night in the bar all year. Also, go on to fucking anyone in Australia. Go on to YouTube. Look up Channel Seven. I was on the news yesterday, having a go at a council for being socialists. Um, We'll catch you on the next Ask Bros OG. Thanks for joining us in the comments. Thanks to Toby. See you guys later. Good night. Good night.